Good morning. I'm Kirsty, and I'm going to be reading Joshua 4, 19 through 24, and this is the ESV. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. You may go ahead and be seated. Well, good morning, church, family. Uh, It is so good for us to be together. For those of you who I don't know, my name is Brian Carroll. I'm one of the other pastors here. Uh, And kids, welcome. I know I see a couple of y'all in here. So kids, if y'all are in here, give a little shout, give them some noise. I tried to do this on Easter, and y'all were like, dead silent. I'm literally giving y'all permission to like yell. Kids, no? Y'all? No? Okay. Well, we got more of these ahead, these family discipleship Sundays, so we'll keep working uh, on that. But it is really good for us to, to be together, kids. We are so glad that you're in here uh, this morning. I want, one thing really quick before we get started. I also just want to make sure, um, I know we've got some new faces in here. Um, you may or may not know we're going through the book of Joshua, and we actually have some uh, scripture um, journals uh, of the book of Joshua. Uh, if anyone has one of those, can y'all stick that up? There you go. Oh, look at you guys. Way to go. Hey, if you have not picked up one of those, we have some out right outside of um, the sanctuary. Um, they're free. They're a gift to you. And so we just love for you to have that as we um, walk through the book of Joshua together. So anyway, so if, already, if you haven't opened up your Bibles already, go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 4. Um, so we just read verses 19 through 24, but we're going to be kind of taking the whole scope of the chapter. So I didn't want to make my wife have to read all 24 verses. So I'm a good husband. I know. Um, Anyways, uh, let, me, let me start us off, though, with a question. Uh, what are you good at remembering? Some of you guys are like, oh, nothing. Um, but, but what's something that you are good at, at remembering? Um, if you're like me, like, so the answer is maybe not a whole lot. Um, um, but, but what is something that you care about, that, that you remember well? Some of you guys in here, not including myself, are, are fantastic with dates. Like the calendar app on your iPhone or your Google phone, whichever your preference is, uh, no judgment here. Like, you, you, you don't need that because you're able to remember birthdays. You don't need Facebook to tell you whose birthday it is. You don't need to, you just got, you're good with dates. You're good. Is anybody like that in here? I see one nod. So, all right, so some of you guys um, are really good at maybe like you're remembering um, uh, actors or, or your favorite athletes. You're able to like remember their stats or what movies they're in. Uh, you're able to remember maybe the, the records of your favorite teams. Some of you guys are really good at remembering that stuff. I'm right now fighting the temptation to make a Cowboys joke, so I'm moving that aside, um, right? But kids, kids are in here. What do you guys like? Like, like what shows do you like? What, what games do you like? Are y'all real, do y'all like to, to like the cartoons and things that you watch? I bet you, if we gave you the, the stage, you could probably tell us some things about Paw Patrol or I'm, I'm like, that's the younger pre-K kids. The kids in here are in that, in Paul I don't know, man. Like, I don't keep up with this stuff. Uh, but, but right, uh, a lot of us, so when it comes to remembering, um, there's certain things that we just, we really latch on to and we do remember. Um, but the other aspect of remembering is when we remember something, we also like to share it. 
a part of remembering is, is, is also sharing. And so when we get to Joshua 4, Joshua 4 is all about remembering and sharing. Remembering what God has done, his faithfulness, his goodness, uh, what he's done for this people group of Israel up until this present moment. And not only is it about remembering and sharing, but it's specifically talking about remembering and sharing with your kids, with parents sharing and passing down the faithfulness of God uh, to the kids. Now, before we move any further, I know the temptation for some of you guys in here is, oh wait, this sermon is about uh, families and about those with kids. I don't have kids, so I'm just going to kind of check out. Asterisk, I also don't have kids. Um, but, but, but hear me say this. Yes, we are going to be talking about families and kids, but, but more than that, we're going to be talking about the faithfulness of God, and that's something we all need to hear. And then the second thing is, we're going to get to this later in the sermon, the kids at Redeemer San Angelo, um, the families at Redeemer San Angelo so if you're single in here, if you just graduated high school, if you're an empty nester, if you're a single, they need you. We need your belief in the gospel. So, so don't tune me out just because we're maybe shifting the conversation about what does it mean for us to remember the faithfulness of God and share that with our kids because you are very much a part of this conversation. And not just as an afterthought. No, we need you a part of this conversation. So... But, but like I said, Joshua 4 is all about this, remembering what God has done and his faithfulness. And so ultimately, here's what we're going, here's what we're going today. God's people will remember God's faithfulness. If we had to sum up what we're going to talk about today, that's what we're talking about today is God's people remember God's faithfulness. So really quick, let's actually look in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 4, just to provide some overall context, and we'll jump right in what I mean. So... Um, go back to verse 1. So, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up, take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel. Look in verse 6. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And so the wording here can be a little bit confusing, but kind of what's going up on to this point. So last week, Ryan talked about how uh, Israel, in order to enter into the promised land that God promised them all the way back um, in, in Exodus, um, they had to cross over into the Jordan, and the Lord dried up the Jordan. And like I said, what we mean that he dried it up, it wasn't that like he just kind of made it to where they could come across, but and like, no, the ground was dry. There was no, you know, when we walk in the, on a wet beach and you might step in the sand and you kind of get some wet sand in your feet, none of that, right? So the Lord dried up the Jordan so that they could cross and enter into the promised land 
And so, and, and what was interesting, um, and Ryan actually helped me see this, when they cross over, so normally the Ark of the Covenant, which was considered the presence of the Lord, was in amidst their camp, was in the middle of them. They actually have it set out ahead. They have some priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They actually have them go out about a half mile ahead of the Israel camp. Uh, and it's as the Ark is going through the Jordan, the waters are being dried up. And the reason why he, they had... This is where we kind of use our imagination a little bit. But one of the reasons that why they might have had, why God or might have had Israel stand so far back so they could see everything. Think about it whenever you stand on top of a building, you have a better vantage point of all that's below you, right? And so the idea is that the Jordan, which was kind of in a valley, the Jordan River was kind of in a valley. If they were standing far back, they could see what God had done. That the, he had dried up the land so that they could cross into uh, the promised land. And so, so that's kind of where we're at in the story. And so then what uh, then uh, the Lord commands Joshua to do is to take 12 men, uh, one, from, one man from each tribe of Israel, and have them get a stone from the river. So as they were crossing, they were to pick up a stone. And, on his, and when they cross over, they were to make this memorial. They were supposed to make this, um, this, 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 these stones um, that were to be a memorial of what God had done in that place. And so, so, so this is the scene. So God, uh, in chapter three, God dries up the Jordan. They cross over and then they, then they get these memorial stones that they were to be uh, a reminder of what God did. The mighty hand of God, he dried up the land so that they could cross. And so God does this incredible thing. And what's interesting, so you see in verses six and 21, you see a similar command. You see that, that the goal of the stones, how they were supposed to function, how they were supposed to be used, they were ultimately supposed to be a signpost. They were, they were meant to be a something that, that if future generations could look at and see and tell their kids of what God did at this place. And, and, and one commentator even said that ultimately that these, specific, these specific stones um, that were ultimately placed in Gilgal, which was on the other side of the Jordan, um, were another sign of Israel's transition from slavery to freedom. And they were meant to be a, something that, that parents could look at and share with their kids about what God had done at that place. And in verses 23 and 24, get to a more specific reason as to what they were to share. So look in verses 23 and 24. He says that, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Look in verse 24. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And so notice in this text that the Lord is the active agent here. He is the one who dried up the river, uh, the river Jordan. He was also, he referenced back to the Red Sea in Exodus. The Lord was the one who parted the Red Sea so Israel could cross through. And ultimately, that it was the Lord is the one who is doing all these things. He is the active agent. And note the big purpose statements in verse 24. The, the Lord did these things. He parted the Red Sea. He dried up the Jordan so that the nations would know who God is. The nations would know the mighty hand of God and that Israel may fear the Lord forever. There's two big purpose statements here. You see them. Ultimately, Israel living out their identity as God's people Trusting in the mighty hand of God was to be an apologetic to the world of who God was. 
And ultimately, them firsthand seeing all that God has done for them, them being their people, uh, was meant to instill a faith to continue to follow and trust him and fear him. So ultimately, the big purpose of this is to show the world God's glory, his mighty hand, and ultimately to help people walk in nearness with God, to walk and continue to trust this God. And these stones, like I said, verses 23 and 24 are written in the context of how parents are supposed to respond to their kids when they ask what these things mean. This is what the the parents are supposed to pass down, was look at the mighty hand of the Lord. They were supposed to help the kids know that they were a people, that they had a God, and they were to continue to follow him all their days. And ultimately, it was up to the parents to pass these things down to the kids, to know that who they were. And, um, and, and how, many, how many kids in here like to ask questions? Kids, y'all like to ask questions? Yes, yes, Joe, I love that. I don't want to call you a kid from stage. <laughs> uh, right, but, but so, so, so the context is, 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 is Israel, uh, is, is kids asking questions. This is supposed to be the answer. Kid, why do we ask questions? Right? We want to know what's going on. We want to learn something. We want to figure out what's, what's, what's happening. And so when we ask questions, we want to learn. And so what were the kids supposed to learn when they asked the question about what these stones were? They're supposed to learn about who their God is and what it means to follow him, and who they are, and what it means to follow them in light of who they are, their identity in light of who God is. And so the culture of Israel walking as God's people and, and, and was to ultimately um, be one in which they're ongoingly passing these things down. They're ongoingly teaching kids and passing down who they are and, and tell them about God's faithfulness. And by faithfulness, I simply mean a trust in God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. A trust that God is going to do what he's going to say, what he's going to do. And so God promised Israel that he would bring them into the promised land. And we see in this account of Jordan that he's beginning to do that. He's transitioning them even further from slavery into freedom. He's doing these things. And that Israel, uh, as they are moving into this new era, we're continually supposed to pass down that. They're supposed to continually tell their kids that. And ultimately, these things are supposed to be, to be helpful. These stones are supposed to be helpful tools for remembering. Because God's people remember God's faithfulness. God's people remember God's faithfulness. And so a people who remembered God's faithfulness ultimately would be people who would pass these things down. We want to be a people who pass down the goodness of Jesus to our kids and others. We want to be a people who can look back and see the faithfulness of God and have that shape how we share our kid to our, what we say to our kids. We want the faithfulness and goodness of Jesus um, to, to, to permeate the cultures of our homes. Uh, to, 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 these are the things that we want to pass on, the goodness of Jesus. But let me ask this honest question, though, because this is, this is something I think is important for us to, to catch. Um, we want to be a people who pass down the goodness of Jesus. Um, but we need to ask ourselves this honest question. This question isn't just for, for families in here. This is for everybody. Um, this, is, this isn't just for, for parents. This is for empty nesters, for singles, for college students, for everybody. 
Have you seen the faithfulness of God in your life? Sit on that for a second. Don't, don't, don't go too fast on that question. Have you seen the faithfulness of God in your life? Are you aware of his goodness? Are you aware of what he's done for you? And I'm not saying, um, is your life full of good circumstances? Is he making you happy? Are you, uh, are you um, healthy? I'm, not, I'm, asking, I'm asking, how have you seen the faithfulness of God in your life? The goodness of Jesus in your life? As I ask that, some of you might be able to think of a bunch of different things and point to a bunch of different moments of how God's been kind to you. Some of you might be blank. Some of you might, I ask that question. What do you feel when I ask that? Honestly, what do you feel when I ask that question? Have you seen the faithfulness of God? Because some of you, man, you're kind of just, I got nothing. I got nothing. Some of you might feel anxious. Some of you might feel um, excitement. Some of you might feel um, guilt and shame because you're more aware of of the sin that's in you than um, God's faithfulness towards you. Some of you are are, are just like, you you just see this week alone, you're like, man, God was so kind here. Man, I was really struggling with this thing and he helped me. I, I see in this room, there's probably a spectrum of answers of when we ask that question, have you seen the faithfulness of God and what we feel? Um, but let me, let me say this. If you feel blank and if you feel like nothing, and if you are honest about that, if you are genuinely honest about that, let me actually affirm that that actually might be God's, evidence of God's faithfulness towards you because he's actually helping you see where you truly are. That's a grace of God when we can be honest with ourselves. That's evidence that his spirit is working in you. That's evidence of him trying to help you really identify what's going on in your life. Um, but if you, if you are in Christ and you're feeling that God isn't like, like, like you can't really see, if, you're, if you feel like um, that, you, that, you, that, that, that you've got nothing to be thankful for, you've got nothing to really see how he's been faithful, be honest about that. And the cool part is that you can be honest about God and he sees you and meets you in this place. But let me just for a moment, I want to just share a couple of verses with us, with you guys about the faithfulness of God in scripture, of how he's been faithful to those who are in Christ. We see in Matthew 11, um, and he's going to be on your screen, on the screen, uh, Matthew 11, uh, 28 through 30, um, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You can bring whatever you need to bring to Jesus, and he's faithful, uh, he's faithful to listen. He's faithful to give you rest. What does Paul say in Colossians 3? This is something we say over and over again. You've heard us say this a lot, but if you are in Christ, you are God's chosen, holy, and dearly loved people. And that does not, that's not based on what you've done this week. That's not based on how you answered that question earlier. That's based simply on the finished work of Christ. Simply that. Or John, in 1 John um, 1, 8 through 9, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth of God, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't feel like you're measuring up as a spouse, as a Christian, as a husband, as a wife. 
the good news is that the faithfulness of God isn't dependent upon how well you're doing those things, but rather it's on the finished work of Christ and that you can actually confess whatever honest things you're feeling right now, whatever shortcomings, whatever sins you have now, you can confess those things. And it says, the text says that God is faithful. He's faithful. He's going to do it and just to forgive you of those sins. One more. What does Paul say in Ephesians 1.5? He says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself um, as sons through Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are brought into the family of God. We are adopted into his family as sons and daughters, and he is faithful to keep us into that family until we get to go home and be with him. The faithfulness of God towards sinners like you and I is permeated all throughout Scripture. You look back in Joshua, the faithfulness of God towards Israel was not based on Israel. Him drying up the Jordan and allowing them to enter into the promised land was not because Israel was just killing it. No, they were a stiff-necked people. They were rebellious. They saw the works of God so often in their life, but yet continued to reject it. But yet God was still faithful towards them. Why? Because he's good. For us, the faithfulness of God is not based on us, but it's based on the finished work of Jesus. And so our framework for the faithfulness of God needs to be the gospel, not measuring yourself and how well you did this week. Not thinking about how I can earn my way better, be, be better and, and earn my way back to God. No, the faithfulness of God needs to be the gospel, the finished work of Christ on the cross. Because faith in Jesus is what ultimately brings us into God's family. And is there anything better that we could pass down to our kids? Is there anything better that we could pass down to our kids than the good news of Jesus? saving sinners like you and I, saving broken people like you and I, and inviting us to be in this family forever. What better news could we share with our kids? What better news can we share with one another here at Redeemer? And what's interesting in Joshua 4.21, um, and, and really also verse 6, when he says, uh, hey, when, when kids ask you what these things mean, um, these questions, what, this, this wasn't the, the first time we see this kind of phrasing uh, in, in um, the Old Testament. Actually, this idea of passing down um, and from the goodness of God and who he is was, was a thing that's actually rooted in the Torah. You look in Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 through 7. This is a verse some of us are, are, might be familiar with. He says, uh, Moses is writing this in Deuteronomy, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The idea behind this and what we also read in, in Joshua is that families were to create this culture in which they're always speaking of the things of the Lord. They were always teaching. They were always passing down. They were establishing a culture in their families of, of helping them know not only who their God is, but that they should learn to trust him and follow him uh, forever. That, that they don't need to look anywhere else for something else. They don't need to look to another God. They don't need to look somewhere else for salvation, but rather all that they needed was in 
Elohim Yahweh. All that they needed was, was in this God who's time and time again has shown his faithfulness to them. And, and so, obviously, like, um, like they, they would teach them other things as well. Like, they teach them trades. They teach them, like, how to do things, how to farm, agriculture. But, but ultimately, as they were doing those things, the bigger theme of their parenting was to help point them back to who God is. And so for us, as we think about today, the greatest gift that we can give our kids is, is not putting them in the best schools, is, is not getting the best teachers and coaches so they can do well whatever sport or activity they're doing, or is not even to set them up for success in life. None of those things are bad, but at the end of the day, you can have those things and still lose your soul. The greatest gift that we can give our kids is, is, is having this culture in our families uh, of of sharing the gospel to them, of, of helping them know who their God is, helping them know Jesus. The greatest gift we can give our kids is the gospel. And the greatest way for us and for you to pass it down is for you to believe it as well. And, and if you're not sure where to start, think about the inadequacies and where you've fallen short this week. Think about where you've uh, may have messed up, where you may have sinned, where you may have fallen short as a parent, as a spouse, and allow the grace of God to flood your soul and let you know how deeply loved you are because of Jesus and not because of you. Passing down the gospel to our kids is actually walking in it. It's believing it. It's allowing the grace of God uh, to fully uh, just, uh, just permeate our souls in such a way to where we like, I know my God is faithful and loves me, not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done for me. When we walk boldly in that, when we walk in such a way where we believe that, that will have an impact on our kids. That will have an impact on what they believe and what they know about who our God is. And, and, and the, thing, the thing is, um, what this might mean is that, that, that you're going to be asking for forgiveness a lot. When people, when your kids see you live out the gospel, they're going to see you ask for forgiveness a lot. They're going to hopefully actually be able to see your weaknesses a little bit more because when they see your weaknesses, you know whose strength that they see? Jesus. When they see that you're needy um, and that, that you have a Savior who helps that need, that you have a God who when you are struggling, when you are walking with, through something, when you are just knee deep in sin or some kind of weakness, that you have a God who can help you in the midst of that, when they actually get to see your weakness, that makes Jesus stronger. That elevates Jesus. And that's what, our, that's what we want to pass down. Like I said, all of us, our kids included, are being discipled by something. Right? Um, Something is always transforming us, whether whatever we're um, reading on social media or if you're in school, whether you're going to school, something is always shaping us. And scripture is clear that some of the greatest influences that kids can have and that us can have is when we, uh, when we have parents who exercise great influence over them and help them know who Jesus is. So what you believe about God, what you believe about God is, will affect what you pass down to your kids. What you believe about, do you believe that God is just waiting for you to be better, to try harder, to do better? Do you believe that, do, what do you believe about God is that he's just kind of always just like has his arms crossed and is just kind of waiting for you to clean your act up? Or do you, what do you believe about God is that you are needy, you are broken, and that he actually steps into that 
and loves you through that and is actually able to help you. This is why, kind of going back to it, this is why we can be honest with God. Whenever I ask the question, have you seen the faithfulness of God and you're blank, the cool thing is you can be honest about that and God's not surprised. God isn't surprised by that. He actually steps into that. And when we're honest, he actually is able to use that. We don't have to pretend before him. And that's such good news because when we, get, when we live a life of pretending, we're just going to get just so just tired. And our kids will see that. Others will see that. When we believe that God is as good as he, as, as, as he says he is, he's as faithful as he says he is throughout all of Scripture, um, that will change and what we believe and how we interact with them. And ultimately, that'll impact the way in which we um, pass that down to our kids. So, so, so how might the culture of your family change when we actually believe the good news of Jesus? Or to bring it to all of us, how might the culture of the church change when we believe the good news of Jesus? Like I said, I, I know many of us in here, um, this is myself included, we're not parents. Um, we don't have kids. Um, we, um, maybe you're, you're, you're single in here. Maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe you're, maybe you're a single parent uh, in here. Uh, maybe you're a student. I know we got some young kids in here. What, what does a text like this um, have to do with us? What does a text like this have to do with us? Like I had mentioned at the beginning, families need the body of Christ to continue to help Preach the gospel to the kids and one another. We need your belief in the gospel. We need how the spirit of God is working in you for the betterment of the body. We need that here. And, and, and um, this doesn't mean necessarily that like, um, we don't want to see the church as a place necessarily. All right, um, I, like we do our ba- baseball practice. I drop my kids off at baseball practice to learn baseball. I drop them off at band practice to learn band. I drop them off at church to learn Jesus stuff. No, we don't want to. We don't want the church to be just this outsourced place where, um, like, we leave our kids' discipleship just here. But what we do want this to be a place is where we have a group of people who have the Spirit of God in them to come alongside one another and help us know Jesus more. We do want this to be a place with that, and so. Um, what it does mean is that, that all of us have an opportunity, uh, whether directly or indirectly, um, regardless of if we're a parent or not, to have a gospel impact on the kids here. Obviously, the most obvious way is, is if you want to jump in that, we, we need help in the kids' ministry. Um, some of you guys already jumped in on that, and so thank you so much, but I'm just going to make the plea again. We, we, we need more people who love Jesus and want to see Kids know Jesus more. And so, so we'd love for you to jump in on that. Next week after church, we're going to have a meeting. Uh, we'll have lunch. So please jump in if that's even just, you're kind of just you're curious. But I also understand that, that, that jumping in kids' ministry might not be everyone's thing. I get that. I get that. Um, but another way in which, in which where you're needed, another way in which you're needed is that you may not be directly working with kids, but you may have friends here who are parents. Or you might be in relationship with people here who do have kids. And what they need from you is for you to continually preach the gospel to them. Because that inevitably will impact the way they have their kids, they, they raise their kids. It's so important for all of us to be in having people who are consistently uh, preaching the gospel to us 
who are consistently reminding us of our own need for God's grace, or our own need for Jesus. We need people to cont- continually and constantly point us back to Jesus. And that's not a, a I'm a parent thing or I'm a dad thing, or, right? but this is, a, this is a believer thing. This is a believer thing. All of us need con- consistent relationships in our life that, that, of, with people who can continually point us back to Jesus. Because reality is, specifically, uh, if we are in relationship with people who are parents and you are continually pointing them to Jesus, that will affect the way they parent. The more you preach the gospel to, to other f- people who are fa- parents in here, that will impact the way they, they, uh, they parent their kids. And so, so I, I would encourage you, if, if you're not in community in some way here, prayer groups is going to be a great way for you to establish some of those relationships if you don't have them already. If you don't have people in your life now, um, Put yourself in a position to where you can jump in and, and, and have those relationships where you have people constantly pointing you back to Jesus. And so, but ultimately, what we want to know is that, that as God's people, we want to remember that God is faithful. We, that, that's what Joshua is helping us see here, is that God is a faithful God. And as, as, as when we see the faithfulness of God, we want to pass that along. And yes, we want to be a place where we want to encourage parents, equip parents to be able to help disciple your kids because we do believe you are the primary discipler of your kids. But we also want to come alongside and be a part of that. But ultimately, we need the body of Christ. We need every one of us um, to help remind us of God's faithfulness, of God's faithfulness. And when we take communion together, um, communion is this time where we get to remember God's faithfulness. Um, so, Ben, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Um, but communion is this reminder. They are our stones, if you will, um, of what God has done for us. And so we, as we enter in this time of communion, um, whether you're a parent, um, whether you're a student, whether you're single, um, take this time. And I want you to think about the kindness of Jesus towards you. Think about what we asked earlier in the sermon. How have you seen the faithfulness of Jesus? Bring your honest thoughts to God. Bring your honest feelings and emotions to God. And because if you are in Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus, um, when we drink the juice, uh, we're reminded that Christ spilled his blood for you. And when we eat of the bread, we are reminded that Christ broke his body for you. And what that both means is that we can go to him in confidence knowing that he hears us. Jesus paid the bill. He paid our sins. Our sins are no longer a barrier between us and God. And because of that, whatever it is that you're feeling right now, whatever it is that you're struggling with, you can bring that to him and be honest, and he hears you. This is, this is what, what Christ purchased for us on the cross. And so when we take communion, we get to be reminded of this. We get to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. The cross ultimately is the ultimate reminder of God's faithfulness towards us. The cross is ultimate reminder of God's faithfulness towards us. And so if you are a believer in Christ in here, um, we take communion together, um, be reminded of that. Be, be encouraged that Jesus sees you. If you aren't a believer in Christ in here, um, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, you don't consider yourself a Christian, um, we just ask that you would refrain um, uh, from taking the elements. And we do believe that these are for believers only. But we would ask you to consider um, 
what is stopping you from putting your faith in Jesus? What is, what is hindering you? And if you have legitimate questions and, and, and thoughts, we would love to hear those. Um, connect with us. But, but, but for those who have put their faith in Jesus, I would just ask you to take this time to remember God's kindness towards you. And remember that ultimately the cross is the ultimate example of God's faithfulness towards you. So God, we thank you again for your kindness. Thank you, God, that you are faithful to us. And God, I just ask that you would use this time uh, right now. God, use this space uh, to remind us um, of your goodness, um, that you would remind us uh, of how you're faithful to us. And Lord, we ask that you would help us be a people um, who not only remember, but we share. We pass down your kindness. We pass down your goodness to, to kids, to others, to one another. Um, God, that we would share the testimonies of how you worked in us to those around us so that others around us may know you more. So God, we love you. We praise your son's name. Amen.